KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Wednesday, August 23rd. It's been 10 years since a former San Diego mayor resigned in the midst of a sexual harassment scandal. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The San Diego County Water Authority filed a lawsuit earlier this week against the county's local agency formation commission, or LAFCO, over its decision to allow the Fallbrook Public Utility District and Rainbow Municipal Water District to leave the water authority. The two North County districts say they want to buy cheaper water from another agency. The lawsuit claims LAFCO did not follow proper procedures before allowing the water districts to leave. Water Authority General Manager Dan Denham says that includes conducting a CEQA analysis under the California Environmental Quality Act. Currently, the Water Authority has very little reliance upon the, uh, the sensitive Sacramento uh, Bay Delta area. By leaving the Water Authority, um, Rainbow and Fallbrook will increase their demand on that sensitive area, which is of, of great concern to the state of California. In a statement, LAFCO Executive Officer Keen Simmons said the suit is disappointing but not surprising, and the agency is ready to defend its decision. San Diego County has felt more like Florida this week because of Tropical Storm Hillary. We've had rain, thunderstorms, winds, humidity, and heat. It's expected to get even hotter in the county's inland areas. Temperatures are forecasted to be in the low 80s today. Low 70s at the coast, high 70s in the mountains, and low 100s in the deserts. Tijuana's Little League All-Star Baseball team has advanced to the next round of games. The team will be playing against Japan in the Little League World Series today. If Mexico wins, the team will be two games away from the World Series championship game. Coming up, it's been 10 years since Bob Filner resigned as San Diego mayor amid a barrage of sexual harassment allegations from nearly 20 women. They really showed the country well before the Me Too movement really kicked off or this iteration of the Me Too movement kicked off that this was possible. More on that story coming up just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Before there was Me Too in 2017, there was the Bob Filner sexual harassment scandal. Investigative reporter Amitha Sharma looks back at the allegations against the then San Diego mayor and fallout since he agreed to resign 10 years ago today. I had to work and do my job in an atmosphere where women were viewed by Mayor Filner 
as sexual objects or stupid idiots. On July 22, 2013, San Diegans learned about their mayor, Bob Thilner, from then City Hall staffer Irene McCormick Jackson, what many women had known for years. I was placed in the Thilner headlock and moved around as a rag doll while he whispered sexual comments in my ear. Filner's misconduct extended beyond his staff, as San Diego businesswoman Patty Roscoe described to KPBS. He would come in and try and kiss me on the lips, and I'd have to squirm to get away. Ultimately, at least 19 women came forward. The revelation sent shockwaves throughout San Diego and made national headlines. The tenure of the city's first Democratic mayor in a generation was over in just nine months. But more importantly, women who had suffered in silence found their voice. I always say courage is contagious. Famed women's rights lawyer Gloria Allred represented Jackson and settled the former staffer's sexual harassment lawsuit against the city for $250,000. On August 23, 2013, Filner agreed to resign, but he was defiant. Not one allegation members of the council has ever been independently verified or proven in court. They have never sexually harassed anyone. Yet in October of that year, he pleaded guilty to false imprisonment and battery charges involving three women. He was sentenced to three months home confinement and three years probation. Now, 10 years later, the Filner saga can be seen as a precursor to a much larger reckoning. The 2017 Me Too movement changed the international conversation about sexual harassment. Suddenly, powerful men were being held accountable and employers rushed to beef up mandatory workplace training. But what's really changed? Just this year, San Diego County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher, a Democrat, resigned after a San Diego Metropolitan Transit Agency staffer accused him of sexual assault. Nationally, Allred says sexual harassment remains rampant. Still, she says there is good news. This year, a new federal law took effect. It exempted sexual harassment from non-disclosure agreements people sign when they start a job. And the good news is that many women are just not going to put up with this anymore. And they are going to fight back. Julie Roginski co-founded the New York-based nonprofit Lift Our Voices that advocates for safe workplaces. She says the Filner scandal was transformative for women, transcending their own humiliation, uniting for support, and declaring enough is enough. They really showed the country well before the Me Too movement really kicked off or this iteration of the Me Too movement kicked off that this was possible. Roginski says another watershed moment was when Filner's political ally, former San Diego City Councilwoman Donna Fry, said this. We want the women of this city and the people who love them to know that sexual abuse and this behavior is not normal and they are not to blame. Bob Filner is to blame. Roginski points to Fry's words as foundational to what eventually became Me Too. You're talking about a major city. You're talking about a mayor who was the first mayor of his party to be elected in decades. And yet here were members of his own party, members of his own staff calling him to account. That was something incredibly monumental. 
Little is known about what Filner is doing now. In 2018, he publicly apologized again for his actions and asked for redemption. Amitha Sharma, KPBS News. The Biden administration's already contentious decision to continue with the Trump-era border wall replacement in the San Diego region has sparked another controversy. Once the current wall is removed, hundreds of murals will be gone forever. Border reporter Gustavo Solis spoke with one local artist. On the Tijuana side of the border, the fence that divides the U.S. and Mexico is a canvas. The border wall is filled with murals. Artwork includes messages about undocumented immigrants, deported veterans, migratory birds, even astronauts. Enrique Chu is an artist who's been painting murals along the border since 2016. He says the work is slowly vanishing. Customs and Border Protection says a private contractor is responsible for disposing the murals. But as of Tuesday, CBP officials hadn't given the contractor's name to KPBS. One section is already lost. A portion of the wall near the Pacific Ocean once featured colorful paintings. Now, it's just a rusty metal fence with some barbed wire. Although he's sad about the loss, Chu is ready to paint again. He plans to start on new murals as soon as the border wall is replaced. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. San Diego officials use data linking homeless encampments to brush fires. But as iNewsource reporter Crystal Niebla explains, they left out important context. In their push for a ban on public camping, elected leaders pointed to a 200% increase in what they called likely homeless-related fires. But what they failed to mention is that the city actually doesn't know how many fires are caused by unhoused people and that an audit would reveal just weeks later that San Diego was failing to do its own job of removing brush to prevent fires. It turns out, these fires are not typically investigated. Instead, encampments are blamed if cooking equipment or evidence of a campfire is nearby, or if a 911 caller mentions an unhoused person. Here's Monica Munoz from Fire Rescue. We don't have any control whatsoever over what elected officials say. What we do is provide them with the information we can provide them with. Amra McCoy lives in a tent near the San Diego Riverbed. She says public officials and residents blame unhoused people for policy failures. They choose us because we're unvoiced in the public eye. Elected leaders defended using the data, though they didn't address the city's failure to remove brush. For KPBS, I'm iNewsSource reporter Crystal Niebla. For more on this story, go to iNewsSource.org. iNewsSource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. During a medical emergency, every second counts, even before paramedics arrive. Health reporter Matt Hoffman has more from a training on what the public should know. A dining room at the Rancho Valencia Resort and Spa in Rancho Santa Fe has been turned into a classroom where employees are learning how quick action can help save a life. We need immediate responders to be able to render aid to persons for many cases. 
American medical response paramedic Sal Ruiz is leading the first on-scene training. Ruiz says the average 911 response time in this area is around seven minutes, but certain emergencies like cardiac arrest require immediate intervention before paramedics arrive. A person cannot be without oxygen to their brain for that seven minutes. It requires somebody who is nearby to be able to do compressions on that person in order to meaningfully save their life. AMR holds similar training sessions for the public every six weeks. The next one is September 30th at the Encinitas Community Center. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. Coming up, hundreds of thousands of students are back in school after the storm delayed the start of the new year. We'll have that story and more just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. The fall semester is now underway for every student in the county. San Diego Unified went back to school yesterday after a 24-hour delay because of Tropical Storm Hillary. Education reporter M.G. Perez was there. The cheerleading Cardinals squad led the welcome party at Hoover High, site of the official San Diego Unified kickoff for the new school year. Almost 100,000 students are back in school to begin the fall semester at over 170 campuses. There are more universal transitional kindergarten classes at many schools this year, and the district has gone from 5 to 15 campuses designated as community schools, offering support services beyond the classroom. Richard Guion is the director at Hoover High School. You can't learn if you're hungry. You can't learn if you're having trouble at home. You can't learn if you're dealing with mental health issues. So we want our kids to perform at a high level. We need to make sure that we're meeting all their needs. This fall, the district has also added several new league sports teams, including girls flag football at 17 schools. Some community college students around the county are also now back in school. And since the pandemic, California's community colleges have been working to recover from enrollment declines. KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Heidman spoke with Luke Menchaca, Dean of Outreach for Community Affairs at the San Diego Community College District, and Gregory Smith, Acting Chancellor of the San Diego Community College District, about how community colleges in the county have been impacted and how some of the changes are beneficial. Here's part of that conversation. Greg, I'll start with you. How is the San Diego Community College District faring with enrollment as the new school year gets underway? We're very excited as we start the 2023-2024 school year. Enrollment is up over 12% from this time last fall. Um, What we have seen is that during the pandemic, especially among working adults who had to prioritize um, health and safety, taking care of children, family members, and work demands, they were not able to continue their education. Now that they are, 
they're coming back to us and we're seeing that enrollment increase. So overall, we're very excited as we come into this year to see a lot of students um, resuming their academic journey and new students coming and starting. Uh, And Luke, other than enrollment, how have San Diego's community colleges been changed by the coronavirus pandemic? You know, uh, being being with the environment, uh, the the pandemic, it's really it's really forced us to to examine how we offer services. Uh, obviously, being back in person has opened the door for students to be on campus, big welcome events, celebrations, but it's also allowed us to meet the students who don't have access to transportation. And that gives them equal access to online classes, even in-per- in-person classes or even uh, online services. And this has been a huge, huge uh, asset to our students when coming back to, to the, the San Diego Community College District. And Greg, how do you find the balance between the flexibility that virtual learning options can provide with in-person learning? Yeah, it's an interesting question because what we're seeing is there are a core of students who absolutely want to come in person and they're enrolling exclusively in in in-person courses. And then we have a, a core of students who are exclusively doing online that want that asynchronous flexibility to engage in their studies on their schedule. What we see the majority doing though is enrolling in certain types of classes in person. Um, For example, science labs, which are more difficult to transition to an online environment. Whereas they're looking at more traditional lecture classes as a better um, experience for them to be able to do that online on their own schedule. Um, So we're really seeing students tell us the types of courses they wanna have online, the types they want in person. And as we expand our modalities and consider, you know, how can we engage students using new technologies, that's going to be a key driver for us as we look at how we can integrate virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, is making sure that it fits with the modality of class that students really feel they can best succeed in taking and that balances with their their work and personal life needs. Mm, And Luke, can you talk a little about your students? I mean, What are some of their unique challenges and how do you work with them to ensure success in the classroom? Yeah, you know, I I think it's one of those things where, you know, as our adults start coming back, you know, we admitted over 400 adult learners to our San Diego Promise program. And a lot of these students were worried about, can I actually enroll into 12 units? And I think by supporting students through the enrollment process of finding those 12 units that work with their schedule, it really helps them uh, alleviate the anxiety when it comes back to coming to college for the first time or returning back before the pandemic. I think along the lines of those things as well, I think the support services that are available to these, uh, all these folks that are coming to our campuses is, is second to none right now, whether it be mental health services, you know, support for basic needs, whether it be clothing, food. Uh, we're trying to eliminate every single barrier that's out there for the students so we can keep them in the classroom, keep them learning uh, so that way they can reach their goal, ultimately graduating from the San Diego Community College District. As classes get started, do you have any tips for new students who may be attending their first college courses? Yeah, absolutely. I would say plug in. And when I mean plug in, plug into our social media outlets, plug into our, our websites. There are so many amazing support programs and services, professionals, faculty members, administrators that are looking to help. And for any issue, any problem that a student could face on the first day, the first month, the first week, uh, there's going to be someone there to help. So my best my best piece of advice is plug in, check in, ask for help, raise your hand, and there's going to be someone there to help you. There's so many smiling faces, willing faces to, to really take you and really support you with anything you need so you're successful at the San Diego Community College District. That was Luke Menchaca, Dean of Outreach for Community Affairs at the San Diego Community College District, and Gregory Smith acting chancellor of the San Diego Community College District, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Jade Heinemann. And to all the students, faculty, and staff who are back in school, we hope you have a great year. 
That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Wednesday. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.